0: <laughs> Welcome
1: to Burning hell, hell. Oh my gosh, it is a very special, very special episode in hell today cuz I am with the woman who pushed me out of her home, the one and only <laughs> former principal Mother of me, my brother, and four cats and current jazz musician slash HGTV enthusiast slash Nana Still Got its daughter that we're speaking to. Lenore Burner. Hello. Don't I get scared now? <laughs> I am. <laughs> you
0: listen to Burning in Hell every week, right? I have been a fan from uh, the very beginning. Yes. I know
1: people always ask me, like, what do your parents think? And I'm like, honestly, my mom is giving me edits. She's giving me feedback. <laughs> She's telling me which episodes she loved the best. Who to book. Exactly. <laughs> She's my momager. But it's interesting. We're doing a Mother's Day episode. And I was thinking about the people who listen, my little devils. Some of you might already be moms. Some of you might want to be moms. Some of you might have never even thought about it. So to talk to you just about like being a mom, I feel like is a little corny. Mm -hmm. I want to start off with the concept of in mental health, reparenting. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because you're my parent and my mom is not just my parent. Anyone who knows me knows that we're like that annoying mom and daughter best friend. We call each other Five times a day, my role model, I've always looked up to you. You've been a lot of what makes me who I am. Oh. And, I mean, I there's really no words to give you what you deserve. However, one thing that's always important to know is how to reparent yourself. And I think me and you together later in life both realize that we have very high functioning anxiety.
0: Yes, And before we talk about our very high-functioning anxiety that I never... high-functioning. That that I never (laughs) knew... Not to brag. That I never knew we had until you helped me understand what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to say, like, I, I always laugh when you say, like, oh, we're, like, best friends. You know, like, you know, in my... I, I sometimes think people think badly of that. you know, you think about I'm the cool mom yeah. for mean girls, you know. I wasn't like that I was, about I, to say, I was not the cool mom. You need mom. a condom? No, 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 no. I was not that mom. No. I'd like to think that I was very much a mom mom mom
1: un- until like you're were an adult. But I was like a weird people pleasing child where like I never rebelled against you. I remember you being like, You can rebel. Like, you, like, wanted me to get a boyfriend. You, like, wanted me to, like... But you were already, like, 16. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, I think with us, I realized I was calling you all the time sometimes because you always knew what to say. And I felt like, okay, if my mom is wiser than me, why not ask her everything going on in my life? And I think as a person who's type A, principal, you were like, I'm going to be the best mom I can be. Yeah, and, you know,
0: I've also learned in these like past five years I would say through actually through the coaching experience that I went through uh, toward the end of my career as a principal I was in this really cool program of performance coaching Mm. and and not so much working with adults and helping principals but helping kids even and then I realized you know giving advice is sometimes the worst thing you can do
1: Mm.
0: and I would practice on you sometimes you'd call me and ask me for advice and this and that, you know, going back five years, let's say. And I remember thinking the right thing to do right now is not to give her this advice that she so badly thinks she needs, Mm -hmm. but to ask her a question that will make her really think about what she wants so she can learn to trust herself. Um, Because a lot about when you, give advice or mentor someone, you basically are just telling them what to do. It's like you're throwing them a life raft. Yep. But you're not teaching them the skills they need to actually make decisions for themselves mm-hmm. and to um, you know, actually build trust and confidence in themselves.
1: Yeah, and I think with this episode, through being a mother and through understanding what makes a good parent, you actually learn so much about yourself. 100 percent And for people who yeah. don't know what reparenting means, it means When you get older, you have patterns that you've learned from your parents, from your family. The voices in your head are sometimes things that you heard growing up.
0: Absolutely. So
1: reparenting is you taking control of your life and saying, I don't have to listen to those old voices or the old traditions or the way things were if it was toxic or abusive or even just not authentic to you. You can actually... Change the voice and narratives in your head and the story that you're telling yourself and reparent yourself the way you wish you were parented.
0: I would go even farther to say that like while you're learning this about yourself or while you're in therapy and you're healing yourself from various traumas in your life Mm -hmm. that um, what you're actually doing is you're learning to like have compassion for yourself Mm. and love yourself more so that when you are a parent you're going to have that same inner voice that same compassion toward your child Mm -hmm. and like a lot of old-fashioned parenting i should say is didn't like
1: come at it with that approach do you think parenting gets better with each generation
0: well i mean they always say like you know you're trying to break cycles of Mm -hmm. you know what what former generations did but
1: I feel like your generation Ooh, this is interesting because your mom's generation was very like let the kids play outside don't get involved type of thing yeah and then for the millennials we were parented with the air quote um helicopter parents that were over controlling right and you talk about I think it's important for the kid to understand with their gut kind of you're basically like like a you're like a bird that wants to know that when you kick the bird the little baby birds out of the, this is a metaphor stay with me <laughs> out of the nest that it's going to be okay yeah so it's like you either just let them figure it out for themselves or you hold their hand the whole time to make sure what is your opinion on that cuz also you as a principal have seen so many parents
0: i have seen all kinds of parents Yes. And you know, parenting changes with changes in culture. Mm. We're in a culture war right now. So I mean, culture is always changing. So yeah, I mean, I grew up in the 70s. And I'm sure my parents were influenced by even though they were probably more on the conservative side, they were probably very influenced by peace signs and smiley faces. Mm. And yeah, the world was a different place. You went outside, you played. Yeah, I mean, I had (laughs) I had a bike, I would go outside for the the entire day and i wouldn't come home until the sun was setting i would hear my father whistle for me oh my god and that's how i knew it was time to come home for dinner like we were just yes i guess we were free range but (laughs) but there were other things about that generation's parenting that was also a lot more strict in Mm. in other ways
1: yeah but it is it's funny that you mentioned trends because also think about the 80s like nutrition wise like the trends that they were telling yeah, you, like to everything. eat margarine. <laughs> oh yeah, that,
0: that was a. Oh yeah, well a lot of that. Well, that's all just like yeah. um, commercializing food. I yeah. mean, in the fifties, they were telling people to eat TV dinners because that yep. was a fad, but like it wasn't healthy. No, no. <laughs> and they were telling moms not to breastfeed. Do you know? I
1: also heard that in the eighties, someone said that fifty thousand children get abducted a year and like everyone freaked out
0: oh yeah Wait, there was always kids on the milk container yeah and then there was like
1: <laughs> do you know where your children are till forever yeah. and then it came out that that scientist was wrong and it was only 500 i know I so he that. was off by literally fifty thousand. i think some comic did a joke about that I so know. it is but, just but funny. i
0: i noticed like a lot of changes in parenting i was a principal for 14 years and over that period of time from 2006 to 2020 when I retired I cannot tell you how different my job became Mm. from the start to the finish Mm -hmm. and my relationship with students and their parents were was completely different by the time I how so I felt like when I began um kids loved school kids school was where the fun was it was like a combination of just the socializing obviously I was a middle school principal for people don't know Mm -hmm. and so like sixth graders to eighth graders like they are very social creatures and playful and we had a great arts program so kids were like so into just coming to school and um, we just had a fun program and then I, I mean I hate to blame everything on on iPhones but somewhere around 2012 when I think they were pretty much in the hands of just about everybody kids changed and um but that wasn't the only thing that was changing but the way kids bullied or the way kids related was definitely now complicated with phones Mm -hmm. and and parenting was somehow different too and um There was a lot of, like, competition also. Like, I mean, this could be unique to New York City, but kids have to apply to go to high school. And there's, you know, millions of kids and there's...
1: But there was always that competition.
0: There was, but there used to be, like, if a kid wanted to go to the best school or one of the top five schools or whatever, and they didn't get in, you know, they'd shed a tear, but life went on. Mm -hmm. Now it was getting, like, if if they didn't get in... It was like their life was over over. and they were going to, um, not get in, you know, that meant their whole life was ruined. Forget college, forget like the
1: things that make me nervous to have a kid because you're like, Oh my God, they have to get into everything or their life is horrible. But I,
0: but to this day, I don't believe any of that is true. It's not. Like I never did, and I would try to tell parents create, like
1: like, a lot of comparison, and like they see too much stuff going on where before they didn't even know who was going where.
0: And and I'm very sad to say like that mental health just got worse and worse and worse, in um, parents, students, and and my last year at school for the first time, you know, in all my years, my thirty years in education,
1: a child committed suicide. Oh my god! Um, But think about it. Happiness is living in the moment. Everything that phones are, are not living in the moment. Right. So like whatever you're doing on the phone, whether it's comparis- com- um, comparing yourself to other people or judging yourself or yeah. researching things and, and getting misinformation about things, like yeah. this is all not living in the moment. Or making a mistake. And, and I'm a fully addicted to my phone, so I, yeah, like, so um, am I. don't have the
0: answer. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. Um, but so am I, but like, Um, yeah, I just, I felt like, and if a kid made like a mistake or said something stupid at a party or something, they came into school on Monday and like our jobs as administrators were just becoming helping kids deal with this tremendous like tragedy that happened Mm -hmm. over the weekend online Mm -hmm. and trying to get everyone to like take down their posts or to take down the mean comments or to take down the picture the embarrassing picture or you know and it just it got out of hand this is
1: fascinating
0: but you know honestly when I think about parenting it's funny we're talking about Mm -hmm. teens and preteens but I I, when someone will ask me about parenting I always think like about babies Mm -hmm. you know but it's it's a job that actually only starts there and kind of never well, yeah, ends. It's like getting
1: a puppy. You're like, oh my gosh, puppy's so cute. And then you realize like, oh, I have a dog for 15 years. Fifteen years. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of women who listen to this pod who might be in a similar position to me where like you're the first female in our family to in your lineage to go to college.
0: To go away to college. To go away I to always, college. I had one other cousin, Kara's mom, Amy. Yes, yes. Sh-
1: shout out to Amelia. Yes.
0: Um, who, sh- she was from Queens and she went to St. John's. Mm-hmm. So she, I, you know, I always say she was the first, my oldest cousin, yep. uh, to go to college um, in like my mother's side of the family. And, but I was the first one to go away to college. And you
1: did go to an Ivy, which is very impressive. two ivy sorry then you got your you're smart you're the smart one of the family (laughs) Cornell and columbia and but it's funny because women before you they knew there wasn't confusion you're gonna marry and you're gonna have kids that's all women had for generations tell me if i'm wrong
0: True, and it's funny as a as for my mom as a parent, oh. like she was, she actually never n- knew what to even say to me half the time because like my life was, was so different, turning out so different. Also,
1: I just want to explain: this is Nana Still Got It's daughter that we're speaking to, and Nana Still Got uh, It. You should all listen to her on the pod, Mir <laughs> yeah. De Leo. But she always told me that she told her dad that she wanted to go to art school, mm-hmm. and her dad sobbed. And then she got married at 18 and had a beautiful, lovely family. Yes. And thank God she did, because now I'm here with this incredible <laughs> podcast. But I, I, it's crazy that, yeah, you didn't have a mom to even show you no. what it could be like to juggle a successful <clears throat> career and a a shout family. out
0: to shout out to nana um she would have been a fantastic she's sp- now a full-on influencer
1: so right she's- <laughs> i'm saying
0: she obviously is brilliant mm-hmm. and smart and artistic and creative and loves to write and like it's fashionable so, oh please her fashion her beauty is mm-hmm. beyond um but like it is it is sad that for her generation she would say to her dad I want to go to college and, and be an artist died. and he
1: cried <laughs> he was like <laughs> he cried just
0: get married <laughs> meanwhile i mean the poor guy he was a an immigrant from yes, sicily hey, and he was so he was a little out of his but it's comfort funny because now
1: i've gotten so far to the other side where i'm about to get married next week shout out to des <laughs> where i'm literally thinking about the tradition of getting married and it's kind of giving me the ick like i'm like is getting I know. married chuggy like i feel like it's like as such a feminist i'm like a little grossed out I know. but i have to it's because there's so many horrible things that marriage used to represent in the past of like you know giving your what is it your dowry oh and and your dad basically giving you to another man to then like like yes i'd like like to think it evolved so yeah i like to think it evolved but there's still something about it that i'm like there's something icky happening however it's then i get the question oh my gosh i'm about to get married and then that means you a lot of people start a family eventually Mm -hmm. after that Mm -hmm. and there's no right order to do that but that is like tradition
0: Well, yeah. And I think your generation is also is faced with like a new way of doing that. So so there I was like going away to college for four years. And obviously, like my parents were slightly horrified, (laughs) Um, but I was like such a good student. And I got into Cornell and that was like a big deal. And I met up with a whole bunch of girls just like me. Um, from New York and all over, and but we you could are say still. Some still- of them
1: were trying to get their MRS degrees, which is well. People
0: would joke because some of the majors at the school were were well. You know, you know, Cornell did have like some traditional colleges within it mm-hmm. that I think historically, you know, might have been where girls got their MRS,
1: which is finding a husband. Yeah, they became misses. Um, where was in your head your career versus becoming a wife and mother
0: um yeah it was you know it was definitely a juggling kind of thing I mean I was very focused on this very specific career that I had in mind I was a science major and nutrition back in the 80s was like a brand new science and Cornell had this amazing program and it was like the only one in the country and I thought I was like going to come out of there and be like this doctor, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah,
1: solve AIDS. Yeah, solve all the world's problems. Problems,
0: obesity, heart mm-hmm. disease, mm-hmm. everything. And looking back, well, I got I got far away from that career because I did see how none of it was making sense after a while, but that's a whole nother.
1: But it also goes back to mental health where you realized- Well, you I realized have... it was not-
0: the, My job as a nutritionist wasn't helping anyone. Most of the people who needed- who thought they needed my help really needed a psychologist Mm -hmm. to really help them because they
1: knew what was healthy and what wasn't
0: yeah i mean intellectually most people know what to eat Mm -hmm. and what you know maybe isn't something they should eat all that whatever Mm -hmm. i don't want to talk about nutrition
1: (laughs) (laughs) but it is interesting that you were i could write a book you were you've always been kind of ahead of the curve in your thinking right so i mean i graduated and
0: i I had to do this like fifth year internship. I I mean, the amount of school I went through and then I only did it for seven years before I was like, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. This is the stupidest thing. I hated hospitals. AIDS was happening. It was terrifying to go mm-hmm. to work every day. Mm-hmm. Um, in New York city hospitals. And um, I just realized I wanted a happy place. I went back to school to become a teacher, of course, a science teacher. Mm-hmm. And, um, schools were fun yeah. and they were definitely a much happier place.
1: So career wise and meeting dad, where did you decide I want to start a family and were you ever afraid it was going to hurt your career?
0: Um, So it's very interesting. I, I, you know, it's, it's so long ago. It's, it's hard to remember those little thoughts I was having. But we did go into college um, with this, like, cultural message, you can have it all. Yes. That was like a the thing. Campaign. That was like a campaign. And
1: then people were like, can you have it all?
0: I know. Like, they would call you superwoman or supermom. I don't know what they... Yeah. But, like, I just remember when I gave birth to you, I, you know, had all this energy of you know, this educated person that's going to like put all their effort into all their smarts into like being this parent and raising this kid. But uh, but honestly, I was so bored after the first like two months. I, I was going crazy. I was home alone with an infant living in that apartment in Riverdale. And I was just like, I, what, uh, what, what's happening? Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be happy. This is supposed to be my life's calling and I am about to put my head through a wall. (laughs) Was
1: it, did you suffer from any postpartum depression? No, no, Mm. I don't
0: think so. I had a lot of nervous anxiety because I was terrified. You don't come with instructions. No. And I was like
1: alone, home every day. Did you ever think that you might not want to have children?
0: No no that never crossed I don't think that ever crossed my mind I mean I was married and I was you know also in my 20s I think I was like kind of like bopping around with different career ideas Mm because I wasn't loving the hospital and so I did like a few different types of nutrition related so it was like
1: a maybe a good
0: time to be like let's try mom yeah like I think a lot of women in their 20s so I was 24 when I got married Mm -hmm. And which is a
1: child bride nowadays
0: in New York. But if you think about you and a lot of friends, you're, you know, when you were in your 20s, like you did every year. Yeah. Like every year you're like, let's try this career. Let's try that career. Different guy, different job. (laughs) This one. I mean, like I honestly like I felt worse about that than anything else. Like I'm a worker Mm -hmm. and I wanted to work and like have this career. And this career was like really not fulfilling me. So when Daddy, like three years into our marriage, was like,
1: let's have a baby. Oh, so he was the one that I think he was oh definitely God, the one. It was so definitely funny. not me.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like trying to find myself. And you're right. I think
1: there was a part of me that was like, well, this will be a fun project. Did you fear at all that you were going to like lose yourself after having a child? Yeah, I th- I think that
0: probably crossed my mind. And then I think that I... um. Like I said, after I had you, like two months into the job, I was like, oh, there's this part time um, teaching job at a college where I can teach dietetic technicians or something mm-hmm. like and 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 maybe I'll do that two days a week. And I remember getting a nanny and like trying that out. And that and I really liked that. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we moved to Brooklyn when you were only nine months old. From the Bronx. From the Bronx. And I and I had one last hospital job there in Park Slope and and then I got pregnant for Daniel and you were having like a lot of ear infections I was Mm -hmm. juggling a lot Mm -hmm. and I just remember quitting that job and just finished oh I I think I was already already in school for my master's too
1: I feel like you never know what it's like to be a mom until you're a mom and and now with technology I'll see a lot of stuff where people be like they have two things they do the this changed my life. This child gave me a purpose. This is the greatest thing that I've ever done that have ever happened to me. And then there's the like realistic mom TikTok where they're like, I'm broken. I'm so tired. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I feel horrible. And you're just like, uh, which one is it? Because it's, it's all those
0: things. And it's normal to feel all the, all of those feelings. Because you
1: can't like return it.
0: No, but I do remember at one point, like in the middle of the night, handing you over to daddy saying, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "But I don't have boobs." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Figure it out."
1: <laughs> were, how afraid were you of <gasps> fucking your children up?
0: Um, you know it's funny. Maybe because I had been a dietitian, I was very like fascinated by this concept of like, oh, now they just drink milk when do we introduce like foods? Like I was like really into Mm. the science of like looking at a human and how they evolve Mm -hmm. from this to that. And so I wanted very much to make sure that my kids had a really healthy relationship with food because, you know, I come from a generation of the first uh, eating disorder children Mm -hmm. and, you know, like knowing girls in college who were throwing up and doing Mm -hmm. weird things. And I remember thinking like... I want my, my kids to not have any of those problems. Mm-hmm. And there's a great... Um, uh, I think she's a psychologist or um, slash nutritionist um, from a long time ago, but her books still hold up. Her name was Ellen Satter. Mm-hmm. Greatest books. Um, two or three books that she wrote. How on do you spell f- Satter? S-A-T-T-E-R. Mm-hmm. Uh, where she in about introducing food and it's like i think one of the names of her books is like how to get your child to eat but not too much mm. and um smartest books written on the topic if anyone is struggling nowadays with that.
1: people could probably argue that that's how you start eating disorders by being like don't eat too much no no she doesn't she doesn't yeah. say that but yeah. it's
0: the th- process behind like well, you also- want your child to eat healthy you don't want them to overeat. you yeah. don't want them but to- you also just
1: want your kids to like know how to eat exactly and that's that was sort of like well, I just, you I grew up with the joke that you what was the method that you well did so that one of the methods of and I don't
0: even remember if this was an Ellen Satter method or not um but it just made sense to me like this whole like old-fashioned thing of you like spooning food into a child's mouth doing an airplane yeah like it's very like f- forceful mm-hmm. um like the whole cajoling them to eat and I'm mm-hmm. thinking to myself you know you know from a cat like they'll eat when they're hungry right so this idea was just like we had this really cool like um table that like a little baby table that you Mm -hmm. sat at and I would just put like food that you could manage yourself with your hands that weren't very dexterous (laughs) at the time yet Mm -hmm. but like you could actually when you're old enough to start to feed yourself Mm -hmm. um so of course when you're an infant and you're introducing foods like you might Put a spoon in a baby's mouth, but then as soon as soon as they can, and so I'd put down like a little bit of Cheerios, mm-hmm. like some fruits, um, whatever you can handle, and you would just go to town. <laughs> but they joke that and now then you put, I, oh I, no and then you got so frustrated sometimes because you like wanted to eat faster but yeah, you couldn't yeah. you just put your mouth to the table <laughs> and just started like licking things all of
1: the table. and i would have cheerios all over stuck to my face i think face. there's some good photos of that yes um <laughs> but yeah it is interesting like it's like with uh, great power comes great responsibility And it's like this living thing exists f- because of you and you can kind of mold it and i think there's that in between of like do i want to make this kid an incredible athlete and i'm gonna at two years old start training it whatever but then you realize like i think the kid's gonna be whatever the kid wants to be at the end of the day
0: children are definitely born with a certain temperament yeah like we, we always joke about that like when when you were born i could tell what your personality was going to be and it's still the same. <laughs> and oh the
1: same with your brother. Yeah. But um yeah, cuz especially with the like competitive millennial I never style thought type it. thing, it's like I feel like some parents are very No, like, I never thought like I that. I need like my kid needs to be amazing and I want my kid to have this and that and do this. No, I never
0: thought that. But we did but we could tell from a very early age that you were incredibly athletic and you know that made daddy very excited (laughs) um like you you were walking at nine months you were like running you were like crazy (laughs) (laughs) did i just call you crazy (laughs) yeah but that's hilarious honestly
1: and i was like little right you were
0: tiny like you were like (laughs) a foot and a half tall and um, running running around the house like and it was frightening um no, but but yeah, you were very, very athletic from the start. So I'm sure like daddy was throwing balls at you
1: instead. Yes. Did you feel like having kids, you ever felt like it took away from like your relationship or like feeling who you are? This is just me like... The fear of yeah. like if I'm outside of kids like holy crap, my whole life's gonna change and it's just like doting over your children all the time. Which by the way, like I love children. Yeah. So like I actually like that idea, but the concept of like, okay, eighteen years dedicated to this this these children. It's a lot of fun. And
0: and I think that's like an important message. Like yeah. try to try to have a better um it's i'm talking to myself now but like i wish i could go back and have a better sense of humor about the whole thing because i I think
1: kids are hilarious
0: if you and i i've always noticed that about you actually Mm -hmm. which i remember even when you were like a little kid interacting with kids like the way you had so much fun with them and you saw it as a fun thing and i'm not i'm not saying like you can't be the parent that's always like funny like that as if that's not like a good parent like if you have a good sense of humor about what's happening, like you can't fight with a two-year-old. You have no. to laugh.
1: Yes. Maybe not at them, <laughs> but that wouldn't be good.
0: But like you, it's great if you, you have like that
1: inner um, child. love and that inner I, child. Have, I do have that inner child. You do. I, I love that perspective because that's how I feel. I want to also go to, you've had a recent kind of interest in this woman, Dr. Becky oh on Instagram, God. who talks about parenting. And at first I thought you were sending it to me because you're like, oh, you might be a parent one day, which is true. But I feel like you're learning about yourself through this woman's kind of modern view of being a parent.
0: I'm obsessed with Dr. Becky. Mm-hmm. Oh, where was Dr. Becky when I needed her?
1: Yeah. Can you give me some of the tea?
0: <laughs> First of all, go listen to Dr. Becky's podcast mm-hmm. because um it's I called- mean,
1: definitely keep listening to Burning Health. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah.
0: But I don't want to just regurgitate what she says because mm-hmm. she has an amazing podcast um called Good Inside. And like that's really just her whole premise. And it is different from like my parents' generation, I think, my generation of parenting. Like we were taught, like, you know put kids in time out and like the whole freaking school system is so like based on Antiquated. discipline you know and 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 punishment fear. and fear and like and like that's whole, bad. I mean that's a whole nother conversation of like mm-hmm. how I, my thinking started to evolve as a principal as well when it came to discipline and a lot of the teachers sometimes weren't on board um sometimes the parents weren't on board mm-hmm. but like Dr. Becky talks about how like if you have this true belief that kids are really, really, really good inside, um, that your response to whatever it is they're doing will be different. And what Dr. Becky and her community that she's created, I think, has really come to terms with, especially during the pandemic, is that we're realizing like the moms have to first take care of themselves. Mm. And like, so the podcast is a lot about. Yeah, it's a lot about, like, you want advice about how to deal with this X, Y, and Z situation. Mm -hmm. But it's also about, like, them coming together as mothers and being like, you know, we have to change the voices in our own head about how we think about ourselves and reparent ourselves before we can really do the right thing with our own kids.
1: That's amazing, because what I was about to say is if you are thinking that your kid is like, you're afraid it's going to be bad. Then that stems from you. This is your child from your genetics. That means, do you think that you could be bad? Like, don't you understand that you, you know who you are and your like instincts and your intuition. I I started following her
0: because the thing she was saying was like the stuff that like you're learning in therapy Mm -hmm. or that I'm learning Mm -hmm. as an adult now Mm -hmm. about, um, what all humans really want and need. We want to be validated. We want people to empathize with us and, and connect with us. Mm-hmm. And those three things are really like almost how you approach every parenting situation.
1: So I have a, a question. I think this is the stereotypical situation. You're at the grocery store. Yep. Your kid wants candy because they're human. And they start saying, Mom, Mom, I want the candy. And everyone's looking at you and you feel like the situation could escalate, what would Dr. Becky say? Dr. Becky,
0: you know, she, she, first of all, she she always points out those situations, Mm -hmm. and she's like, I've been there. Mm -hmm. I was there today. Mm -hmm. It's happened to me. Like, you know, it's all, those are all very normal things. That's what kids do. Yeah. Once as a mother, once you come to terms with every kid is going to do that, every kid's going to do the other thing, and stop with the shaming, like, mm-hmm. oh, like, people staring at you in the grocery store because your kid's having a meltdown. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone stop. Yeah. Like, that's what kids do. Yeah. Like, everyone calm down, first if of all. If you
1: look at, I was watching this Jane Goodall documentary <laughs> where she, random, I know, <laughs> but she's observing the parent the parent chimpanzees and the children chimpanzees and these children chimpanzees are so freaking annoying but that's just what these little kids are yeah. these little chimpanzees are and she see the way the mom was so patient with her child helped her in her own parenting exactly. by watching just like how human it's i mean how parents and kids are in general.
0: I don't know what Dr. Becky would say about that exactly, so I'm not going to speak for her. Mm-hmm. But I know she sells a whole like mm. uh, handbook on <laughs> yeah. what to do when, but I know what I know that she would say like let the kid cry, let the kid let the kid feel his feelings mm. about the fact that he wants a candy. But he's not gonna get a candy. Let mm-hmm. him feel it. Let him feel the pain of that discovery. Mm-hmm. And then go home. And if he's and if little Johnny's still having a tantrum or little Becky's still having a tantrum, sit them down and just be like, Wow, oh, I know, like I would really want a candy too. Or I mm-hmm. I I can see from all your crying, you really wanted that candy, didn't you? And you know, just at that moment, the kid all of a sudden feels like she understands me. Like even as adult, as an adult, don't you love being understood by someone? Yeah. Like, oh my god, she sees me. Mm-hmm. She
1: sees and you're my problem. you validating the feelings. You're
0: validating the feelings. And then you just say, um, you know, you you might say,
1: see, like, I'm a people pleaser. I'd be like, we can get candy later. Like I'd I'd immediately like throw that, which I shouldn't, but. This reminds me of that thing you said that was very powerful to me when you said when a kid falls instead of looking at the kid and saying you're fine you're fine it's okay you're fine or or not even like that
0: but but to just even even more subtle than that you just quickly pick them up mm-hmm. and pretend it didn't happen yeah. oh little johnny look at the birdies look at yeah. the birdies nothing happened nothing just happened right now that kid is confused mm-hmm. Like, ouch, I just fell and my knee is bleeding. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me uh, nothing happened and let's look
1: at the birdies? So, the advice would be when your kid falls, instead of doing all those things, you say, That must have hurt. That looked like it hurt. Ouch. Ouch. Falling hurts. can can I wash that for you? Can I wash that for you? Yeah. And, and that reminds you of like how you should parent yourself, reparent yourself. When something bad happens, you don't go, it's fine. It's fine. You shouldn't be upset. Move on. You're fine. You're being uh, emotional. You say, damn, that hurts. And it's okay to feel upset. Yeah. But when, but then that's a version of reparenting. That's a really, really good example. 100%. And I also love how Dr. Becky talks kind of like you can't pour from an empty glass. And, Yes. You mentioned that today in the New York Times There's a great article called The Motherhood Advice You Actually Need Oh, I loved
0: it I read every and one of them And they
1: actually like reached out to Times readers And they got 3,000 responses It's written by Melanie McAfee and Danny Bloom mm-hmm. And they have some really interesting Piece of advice That you don't normally hear Oh, it
0: was so fun One yeah. is just
1: stay hydrated Which I love <laughs> One of them is like, be overwhelmed, um, maximize kid-free time, pick your battles, consider the epidural,
0: <laughs> release the
1: guilt, let them play, start fresh daily, chat early and o- often, don't panic. My favorite, one of my favorite ones
0: was Ditch the Blame. Mm. Um, and it, 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 cause it just talked about exactly what we just talked about, about like the falling down or the, um, um, the tantrum, like once you validate their feelings, like, oh, you must be so sad or frustrated, whatever. Um, you'll see that the child like starts to become like immediately more cooperative. And then the, the author writes, like, as soon as I started doing that with my husband, my friends and myself, Mm-hmm. We all need love and acceptance more than we need blame. Um, I thought that was
1: a great It's funny because I just clicked on don't get smug. I'm like, what does that mean? It says whether it's good or bad, it's temporary. That applies for your children's behavior, school situation, friendship issues. Don't get too smug when parenting is easy, although you should enjoy it. And don't get too despondent when it's hard. It all passes. This is literally... Advice for how you should deal with your own life exactly, which is never getting too high or too low, kind of the art of stoicism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's funny they said consider the epidural because this is bringing up some beef between (laughs) me and you. Because I joke, my mom went through a full natural pregnancy for both her births, and I feel like if I don't go natural, then I'm like being a weak bitch. But do you see what it says in this article? It says, it says there's no trophy at the end. I thought of you. Yeah, These They're powerful like- words were from the labor and delivery nurse at the hospital when I checked in. Consider that berdural. Nurse because sense I was trying to prove something to myself and she said, honey, no one walks out of here with a trophy. Just remember that. The <laughs> only thing you want to walk out of there is a healthy baby. Exactly. Um, but yes, yeah, some of these are really I powerful. Liked the, the
0: last one I liked was chat early and often. Um, honestly, the, the nicest compliment I ever got was from one of my guidance counselors, Um. Cause he noticed that like when you and Daniel were teenagers that you were like always asking me questions Mm -hmm. and oh, and I would tell him like all these chats we have. And he was like, how do I get my kids to talk to me? And this thing says exactly what I said to him was you got to start young, yeah, really young. You have to like make them really comfortable and ask them, you know, have them talk to you like about real important things in life, not like stupid little things Mm -hmm. and like, Talking about issues at school or something you Maybe learned. the family
1: dynamic starts early. You can't at sixteen suddenly be like, "Tell me about what's going on in your life, son," and expect him to open up to you.
0: Daniel was the funniest teenager. <laughs> I mean, I I, never, I always say I said this to my to my guidance counselor, which probably prompted the conversation. But he when he he was like sixteen, going on seventeen, and he came home from hanging out with his boys. And he's like, mom, I just tried pot. <laughs> 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 oh my God. And, and I was just, I didn't know, like, it was one of those parenting moments where you're not uh, sure. I didn't read a book on this. You're not
1: sure what to say yep. or do. So I didn't
0: I didn't say anything. And he kept talking. And he was like, but I really didn't like it. And I'm never going to do it again. <laughs> Which we know wasn't true. Which is not true. Uh, um. But um I just remember that moment and I laugh hysterically every time I think of it, just because your brother is hilarious to begin with. But Mm -hmm. that was just like one of those funny teenage moments that I was so proud
1: that he told me. Well, I have another weed moment where Daniel was like, let's I don't smoke weed. I can't whenever I smoke. I cry. But Daniel tried it and he was like, I'd love to smoke weed in the backyard. But like. Uh, mom and dad would like smell it and i was like let's just ask them and he's like are you crazy and i'm like i'd rather be honest with them like let's just ask them and i asked you and you were like absolutely not and was like you <laughs> fucking, like, You're fucking ruined it and you were like oh, you really think that i yeah i should know that this is happening in my yeah. backyard like once
0: once again i was not the cool mom i was a mom
1: well did you care
0: if your kids liked you no i mean that's that's like <laughs> That's the whole thing that Dr. Becky actually talks a lot about. She defines like permissive parenting and authoritarian parenting. Mm. So like most traditionally, most kids have been raised with more authoritarian parents, anything from, you know, hitting to just some fear involved Mm -hmm. or punishment involved, Mm -hmm. right? And, And permissive, I think Dr. Becky defined it As as more like, it's not that you're just like a a pushover. It's that you actually fear that your child is like not going to love you if you parent them. And that's a whole different power dynamic, which is not healthy. So those
1: both are not...
0: They're both a little too What does she name
1: the like correct one? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um,
0: I mean, I'm not sure what she... If there's a a word for it, or or if there's just like a a balance of just being, you know, a, a parent who believes that their kid is good inside.
1: Um, there's so many good. She she uses the term a lot, like
0: be curious, you know, be empathetic. Um, but but that's not being permissive. Mm-hmm. That's not being a, a pushover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's again, it just goes back to that same thing of just like what every human wants validation, empathy, connection, um, you know, but but like she talks about how like so much of authoritarian parenting makes you feel shame, yeah. you know, the whole like I think back like we were we were taught as parents to like do the whole time out thing. Yeah. Oh, daddy love time out. But I
1: look back at that now and I I kind of cringe like I, I well, sometimes I remember feeling like because you went from like parents to suddenly this like weird rule like it didn't we felt disconnected yes. like you were just this like king suddenly who was like okay five four three two I'm like what's gonna happen I, what are you gonna do and it was well weird. when
0: you're little I mean it's kind of scary and you do mm-hmm. feel shameful like you're put in the dunce corner or something you know so so a lot of what I hear her say kind of speaks to me because that never felt like totally good and it didn't really work i mean a certain age i'd put you down you know for who knows what you did to your brother <laughs> and then you and then you just you were just like at some point you're smart enough you're just like i'm gonna get up and walk away <laughs> i'm like there's no like shield right. invisible shield Is She gonna tie me up now <laughs> yep yep and so like that obviously wasn't
1: wasn't perfect um sorry i was finding one more that i liked there's so many and i clicked on all of them oh yeah um did you ever deal with any like mom shame like other people maybe shaming you or like the fear of other moms judging you um no honestly
0: like i have to say like sometimes i feel like everything's a blur right and i don't know if what i was doing was working well or if like you and Daniel just had pretty good temperaments and were just like kind of good kids. Like you guys were so good. <laughs> Maybe I don't remember. I think that's what the human race does. It makes you forget.
1: So you keep having more babies. But I found this good thing called settle for good. I'm like, what does that mean? You know, the New York oh, Times yeah. article. And it just said I was sorting out the pros and cons of. Child care options and I just was scared of the long-term impacts and like just trying to be like the perfect parent not fuck up your kid And he said someone gave him really good advice and they said you want the very best for your children, but they don't really need it liberating and true
0: Dr. Becky talks about that a lot, actually. it's She calls it good enough parenting.
1: Yeah, because that's what I think I'm a perfectionist, and you are too, that yeah. I would struggle with, and then you deal with the shame, and that's also yes. my issue with myself, being a perfectionist and yes. thinking I need to do everything right oh my and God. perfect. She had this
0: whole thing about um, perfectionism that, of course, I think I read it and sent it to you, because yeah. I was like, um, where she was just like... Um, when it when a kid like has a little tantrum because he can't get the math problem, let's say an mm-hmm. elementary school age kid, right? And and like your your first response is just be like, "Oh, honey, don't be so hard on yourself," mm-hmm. but that doesn't help. No, it because you just are. You can't convince someone out of that feeling that they're feeling at well, that and moment.
1: Guilt and shame comes when you say, "You shouldn't be mad. Why are right. you upset?" At right, right. So the way. You, you
0: can try to change the, the way they relate to that feeling they're having. Yeah. That's frustration over not being able to do the math problem. Um, but but like she says like perfectionism is probably a part of all of us, but, but change the voices in your head mm. and model for the child how to deal with that very bad moment they're having that stems from perfectionism. So be like you know um you know i hear that voice telling you you want it to be perfect like we want it to be so perfect but you know you also have a good enough voice inside your head and 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 there's also a voice in your head that's like it's okay to mess up voice mm-hmm. um yeah. And another voice in your head that's
1: like, I can do
0: really hard things. Mm-hmm. And like you teach the child that there's like other ways of thinking about
1: yes. this problem. That it isn't so black and white that you're either stupid or smart or you're and then, either bad or good. And then
0: she goes as far as like drawing like a, a like a little paper like to model it for the kid. And what you're doing is you're building the child's res resilience. Mm. You're showing them how to bounce back. So she like, she like draws this, um,
1: there's like lessons and everything. Yeah,
0: She draws this like little card that says like happy birthday, but she spells happy wrong. And she's like, oh no, oh, it's not perfect anymore, but you know what? Oh, it's okay. I'm just going to do it. Look what I'm going to do. I'm just going to like cross that out and oh, I have an idea. Here it is. And it's good
1: enough and like just showing mm-hmm. the kid like oh okay and that kind of reminds me of the concept of adversity and that it's important for you not to be like so protective all the time even of yourself it's a, that like learning that failure you get you train those muscles in your brain to be like oh i'm strong i'm capable I'm not afraid of failure. I'm not afraid of messing up because I know I can come back. And I just feel like there is such a beautiful connection. And guys, whether you choose to be a mom or not, or a dad or not, it's this is not what the conversation no. is about. It's what you can kind of learn about. We all had some kind of upbringing and how that affected who we are and how that affects how we talk to ourselves. that we can change.
0: And going back to your initial question about reparenting mm-hmm. we were talking about re-parenting. um it's it's like this thing i just keep thinking about over and over again and i've actually played some scenarios in my brain of of like things i should have said and done maybe to you or daniel and things that maybe my parents should have said and done with me but the thing that um i love so much that l- the last thing i'll say about dr becky mm-hmm. is like she she says that while you're screwing up in front of your kids which you will do. You're going to have a meltdown. You're just going to scream and yell at your kids one day, knowing that it's the totally wrong thing to do <laughs> and that you're you're totally like scaring everybody in the house. Mm-hmm. But it's okay if you like later on just say, "You know what? Guys, look, can we have a talk? Like, I'm really sorry. Mommy was just having a really frustrating moment and I'm you know, I made a mistake and I'm and I'm and I'm really sorry." and i just want you to know like i'm i'm okay and and like she just says like no matter what you do as long as you address it Mm -hmm. with your kids and again this is just like adults
1: need to do this with each other as well like as long as you address it and just be like i shouldn't have said that well you're also humanizing mommy like yeah you kind of put your parents on this pedestal they're perfect or whatever and but you can be perfect in your imperfection yeah instead of like one day they wake up and they realize, wait, my parents aren't perfect and I hate my parents and da da da. instead it's like being your authentic self with your kids. Yeah. And I think that also helps with your relationship moving forward. And I just feel very lucky to have you as such a just strong, amazing like sidekick in my life for uh-huh. everything that I do because you, you know, you don't choose your family, but we're lucky that we love each other so much.
0: I love you, and well, you have been—I uh, have always said—you've been a very exciting child to have. <laughs> <laughs> Never a dull I moment. Did a
1: TikTok <laughs> of me crying, being like, "Think of how bored my mom was before she had me."
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is so true. Can the can the educator and me just recommend to your listeners three books that I love?
1: I would love that.
0: Um, and this g- kind of goes back to like. My job as a principal, like I was always so into this whole like, you know, parenting stuff and I I thought it could be helpful. Some of it backfired on me. Like a lot of parents did not want to hear about it, even though, you know, I would just, I would have me, I would have, I, I started a book club for mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. and we read these two books. One was called The Gift of Failure by Jessica Leahy. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to teach them what you were just talking about, like, we learn from making mistakes and we learn how to be resilient from making the mistake and then working through it and then eventually realizing like, wow,
1: that didn't take me down.
0: I did it. And I have confidence and I can do anything. And, um, and the other book was, um, how to raise an adult oh wow, by Julie Lithcott Hames, which was like one of my favorite books. Um, and again, it just, it talks about like, how you um give children like confidence and ready them for adulthood by giving them really good responsibilities and i i'm cracking up now because in my brain i'm thinking about that show on is it netflix with the japanese toddlers yes. being sent uh, like so i'm sure american to, do, to, run pa- to run errands i'm sure american parents are watching this like oh my god but I'm telling you, these kids are going to be rock stars because at two years old, they can go to the grocery store, remember a list of three items, and walk two miles home by themselves. I mean, the confidence, the the incredible like that's are they that amazing. young? In it? I can't. I, the first one, the first episode, I it's adorable. I, I just couldn't believe it. And they
1: and they show but all they kinds. But make of, sure they're safe during it. Like no one. Well, there's someone them. with a
0: camera filming them. So yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and the last book I want to recommend was something that I did very late in my career. Was like we started advisory classes for kids, and the the book that the teachers were studying was called Permission to Feel, mm-hmm. by Dr. Mark Brackett from Yale, and it's it's the simplest simplest thing. Um. Every class would start their day with kids looking at this like grid of feelings, like like a hundred words of feelings, and the kid walks into the classroom and like puts a little note on the feeling, and I'm telling you, kids just want to you to know how they're feeling. yeah it validates like so like the teacher would be like, "Oh, everybody's like in a happy mood today," or like, <laughs> "Oh, I know some of you are feeling the Monday blue." like it makes kids. Feel so seen and Mm. heard, and like feel like the community cares about them. Yeah. And like that was just a great one. I love
1: that. Yeah. Okay. It's time to get a little darker and play the seven deadly sins. Seven deadly sins. Are you ready? Uh, I've been waiting my whole life for this. (laughs) okay what are you greedy about you know
0: I I've only listened to three years of episodes and I always think what would I say I you know like I I mean I I my first thought was time like I'm very like greedy about time how I spend every minute of the day like I I I savor it I savor it and like I was like that when I was working and I'm like that when I'm retiring I, so whether it was work time or free time I'm like a nut with I'm greedy with my time
1: I do have to say it's become very trendy these like um they call it hot girl walks like mental health walks <laughs> rich mom walks my family has been doing these I invented hot girl that walks like my I was gonna say you're greedy about your walks like if you don't get like a walk-in in (sighs) in the day. Like you're like a dog that hasn't gone its walk. And I, we also have some knock on wood longevity in our family. Like my great grandma lived to like what 98 or something. We we have a couple of they're very like fit. And all they did was like walk to work and back. I mean, New York city, it's, 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 they were city people. Yeah. So I do think that your walks have kept you like physically and emotionally
0: yeah well i mean that was like the thing i and you know like i'm i want to spend time with my family like i'm just Mm. very like careful and in a way i think of it as greedy because i'm just i don't give it away easy
1: yes i do think we cherish our time together a lot we're very greedy about our time yes like i will like like be late to a restaurant because i'm like in a conversation with you yeah and we don't There's not a lot of things that I would prioritize above, like when you're like, hey, can you guys come over? There needs to be like a really good excuse, which I think I'm lucky to have a partner in Des who never gives me any pushback and like loves being with you guys. Because I think I've had some relationships in the past or just imagining someone being like, oh, do you want to go there? Like that would be tough for me.
0: Oh, yeah. You'd have to break up with them. Yeah. I mean, you would break (laughs) up with them for me. Um Oh,
1: my God. Who are you envious of?
0: (laughs) Who am I envious of? Anyone who doesn't have anxiety and is not afraid to do things. I would
1: argue that I do have anxiety, but I'm not afraid to do things. That's
0: true. I think those are two separate things. Because when, it, when you are living your life <laughs> and I see what you're doing, I always think, she's not afraid of anything. But I'm, I'm anxious, jealous. But I'm anxious
1: the whole time. But I'm right. not afraid. But you're not afraid. Because the more what would be more scary for me is not to do something. Yeah, that's a
0: good attitude. Maybe that makes sense. Like yeah. I will
1: get more anxiety if I don't try something yeah. than to try it and fail. Um Yes but, but but yeah,
0: anxiety. Like there was a time when I was having a lot of trouble with anxiety. I'm much better now. But I think
1: no one really knew because you were so you were just so put together, which is like kind of classic type A yeah. like New York City woman, but you're also like so successful. You seem very, very happy all the time. So it, it wasn't anything that I think anyone would notice. And actually, looking back
0: to a few years ago when I was super, super anxious, I honestly like I I'm in because I'm in such a good place now. I look back at it and I and I understand like it was a combination of menopause, mm-hmm. which no one talks about. No one talks about, but None hello, about um, when your hormones go wacko, you. You, your anxiety goes up and yeah. I when I started like talking to talk to messing all the time. When I started to talk to some friends my age about it, they were like, Oh yeah, that's oh, yeah, normal. The house down. But no but yeah, Did I, I you
1: have wild hormones during your pregnancy emotions wise? No.
0: Don't remember. Don't remember. Yeah, it it out. <laughs> so long time long probably. time
1: ago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so um but anyway, I, I was gonna say like between menopause and just like work stuff.
1: I think you I'm answering this question for you because I was going to ask, how do you think you got out of it? I think you changed some environmental things for you, like some work stuff. Yes. And then I think you really like did the work. You were like, I want to get a therapist. I want to actually look into this more because you came from the generation that literally never spoke about anxiety or depression. And
0: five years ago, when things were feeling really horrible and I actually didn't know what to do, I started meditating. Mm. I use the Headspace app. I've been using it for five years changed my life
1: i actually have been i've had a lot of trouble with meditation but i recently read something that was really helpful because i just didn't i'm like okay so you practice your brain being quiet like whatever then all the thoughts come back but they basically said that you're like a machine that sometimes to cleanse needs to stop with the input and thoughts are input so imagine yeah. you're like it's like trash we're just putting trash 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 trash. sometimes you need to stop and throw the trash out like it's literally like a detox for your yeah. mind where you just don't have you try not to have as much input for a little bit.
0: And and for me, it was like not judging myself like you're not doing this right. And you're not like you're thinking too much. Yeah. And like stop. Judge. You're not going to do it perfectly. That's not what this is about. Like and just like go with the flow. You and really uh,
1: had to reparent your just meditation yeah. pra- practice.
0: I think meditation helped with all of that. Yeah.
1: I love that. OK. What are you gluttonous about?
0: Ice cream from Snowflake in Riverhead? Oh yeah. <laughs> Shout it out, girl.
1: Shout it out. Homemade ice cream. Best, so good. Best homemade ice cream. I've tasted them all. There will be a line, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Um, When was the last time you experienced extreme wrath or anger?
0: I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble
1: for saying
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> when you filmed your last season of Summer House, I, I thought I was... Going to, I, I had extreme wrath. There um, we were a lot of phone conversations of you crying, and I sensed um, that something really wrong was happening and something really bad was happening to you there. And I, I, actually, I think I might have threatened lawsuits <laughs> and, um, you know, was afraid for your life at one point and wanted to go and take you home Mm -hmm. and that didn't happen and I tried to actually come Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't let me and it was really scary yeah are you gonna have to cut that out
1: (laughs) I don't know you I think some people need to know the extent of what went down but I also it was
0: really I I've never felt so I I, we're talking about parenting Mm -hmm. I mean like you, a lot of bad things have happened to you in your life. You were hit by a car in college. Mm-hmm. There were many times in your life where I, you almost died a few times from various illnesses. <laughs> I think I saved you from the appendicitis. <laughs> I mean, like, you had some pretty scary things happen to you as a exciting young woman living life, mm-hmm. getting out there, Just out there, doing things. Life Just happens. You get hit by cars sometimes, yep. you know, like, whatever. But, like, that to me was something that – really I I had rage because I saw what was happening and and then of course
1: it happened a mom's gut is always very right and yes. I also do have to say there you even had some filmed conversations with me that I think would have really
0: oh yeah they filmed me have some scenes with you they filmed you talking to me on the phone
1: none of that aired um when was the last... Oh, this is funny. When was the last time you were a sloth? Like a lazy piece of shit. Never. Literally never. And <laughs> most most guests say that. I'm like, you're lying. Actually, actually,
0: yes, never is my first answer. Yes. But my second answer would be, my little baby kitty kitties help me be a slot sometimes
1: because they fall asleep on you and you can't get up
0: i can't get up so i had muffy on one leg one day i had Mm -hmm. willie on the other leg so sometimes i'll do that and probably the very last time i was was when i binged bridgerton
1: (laughs) i love that i also think that (laughs) you have gotten better you used to not even be able to like sit and watch tv i never sit you never. So the fact that at night you've been able to like sit, enjoy a show for even like one hour, I'm proud of you. It's very
0: healthy. I it's like. It's very
1: healthy. Meanwhile, you guys on the other side, we have my dad who could watch sports and sleep all day long <laughs> it's truly like an olympic sport for him to veg on the couch the yin and yang i have the combination of both of them so it's been a struggle you
0: just work from the bed
1: exactly i work <laughs> all day from the bed like when i say i'm a lazy perfectionist it is so true and so painful it is a jail in my mind oh. um Ooh. okay when was the last time you let your ego or pride get in the way of something anyway
0: you know, it would probably be work-related stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're in the same job for 14 years, mm-hmm. it becomes, like, your baby. Yeah. No pun intended. But, like, if anyone messed with, like, my school or or there was bad press about something, I would get, like, really upset and very, like, I would defend, you know, my teachers. Yeah. I would always defend my school. Like, I was so proud of the institution that it was. So... Mm-hmm. Don't mess with my school.
1: I got to Okay. So the question is, when was the last time you lusted over someone? I do want to speak. Before we go into your celebrity crush, you got a little too excited. To talk I about got a that. long list. You <laughs> got a little too excited. But I just want to say, as a mom and having creating a family, do you have any advice for like keeping the relationship a priority and keeping it special while having a family and being a mom? Yeah,
0: I mean, you, you just always have to like, make sure that everything you do is like together, like communicating a lot, you know, joint conversations about the kids. Because if you don't, you know, if you don't agree on something, like you, you have to come to some kind of compromise. I know that sounds cliche, yeah. but like also just always having, making sure you're having fun with that person, mm-hmm. like daddy will joke to this day. Yeah. I still laugh at his jokes. I know. And I do. You like, guys are
1: adorable. He's you still funny. Flirt. You guys, my f- parents are still like in love and it's crazy, but it's like, I just feel very fortunate to be around that. Like you guys literally flirt. It's annoying. He's funny. So speaking of celebrity crushes, who are we into? You know,
0: it, it takes a lot for me to like decide you're my crush you know like (laughs) you're like i'm super picky i'm very very picky um and like i've had different crushes in different decades of my life yes i mean like when i was a teenager i had this like weird obsession with steve mcqueen who was like older like i don't know and of course like robert redford like these are guys from the old days but they were like oh my god we have the
1: same type man. you i think in the 90s though
0: i was dying over jude law Jude Law, like in the holiday. Yeah. Like, I never die. Really got
1: into him. I think he was like a little t- older for my taste when I was that age. Right. He is like my. Oh, and I, I didn't know re- you liked a British accent. I guess
0: I do. I also loved Ray Fines. Oh my God. And The English Patient? Like, oh my oh. God. I loved him. I never
1: watched The English Patient. I was obsessed
0: with him. That was also the 90s. And... But I would say recently,
1: <laughs> recently. <laughs> You're like, I don't have a lot of crushes, but. And then you go laugh. on for 30 minutes. Recently.
0: Okay. Um, Reggae Jean Page, yeah, can't even look at. I'm just dying over him. Uh, he is. I mean, he's he he, Why to? I watched Bridgerton, but he's not on the. He, what, no, he what wasn't. Is he doing?
1: he might be like, I mean,
0: I like suffered through Bridgerton, hoping with each episode he might that, pop. That up. he might pop in, but yeah. I knew he wasn't. Did I you not really like the season as much? No, I did like it. I okay. liked, I did like it a okay. lot. Um, but my, I think, I think my biggest crush like recently was Justin Hartley
1: oh yeah I,
0: from this is us like i love Justin Cute. Hartley. like he's he's a gorgeous human
1: he is he is I, i'll stop there <laughs> i'm like anyone else you want to fuck <laughs> anyway to wrap this up you've done amazing in hell but i knew you would because i am the spawn of satan i'm just kidding i just want to say that. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um what advice would you give to people on how to cope with their hell when they're going through it.
0: Don't be ashamed to ask for help. Mm. Be nice to
1: yourself.
0: You're worth it.
1: Mm. That's powerful. I love that so much. Normally I'd say, where can people follow you? Or... (laughs) <laughs> watch <your> stuff. <laughs> well you do have an account on tiktok where you post cat videos you're starting oh, i
0: gave up after five because okay, well, it was too hard was too i couldn't figure it out honestly
1: you don't want to become I a content know. creator just but i do have
0: life. an instagram but i don't think people want to follow me well, i post you're also like on once. private
1: and I you don't even <laughs> accept people.
0: You don't accept people. You're like, who is that? I don't accept. I used to not accept any students who wanted to be my friend on or Facebook men.
1: or any creepy man that I like. like do I know you? Every man who adds you when he doesn't. So know I usually
0: you. delete most. But you
1: know. If- so anyway, this is my mom. Okay, hi. <laughs> I am bye. so so honored and grateful that you came on. Happy Mother's Day to Thank everyone. You. Happy Mother's Day to the moms who were here. To the. To every kind of mom, to the moms who aren't with us anymore, to the pet moms. We love you all. I love you, Hannah. Hannah, My favorite
0: daughter. I love you too, my
1: favorite mom. (laughs) Bye. Bye.